Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm here with Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, in our lives you give us many examples of holiness. Help us to see more clearly these examples, and to, in our own lives, be faithful to the model they give us. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jacob, in the past, we've talked about people who give us support as seminarians, Mm -hmm. um, especially when we shared our own stories of how we discovered our vocation to the priesthood. Um, We talked about the way our families led us and gave us, you know, the initial steps in our faith Mm -hmm. and continue to support us now that we're in seminary. We talked about our friends and, you know, especially many families at our parishes, our home parishes and those parishes where we've worked who support us in many ways, individuals, especially who reach out to us, writing to us, Mm -hmm. offering us other forms of support. Um, But I thought today maybe we could talk about another group of people who offer us support in our life as Christians and, you know, maybe you and me a special way as seminarians aspiring to be priests. Um, And I'm talking about the saints. Yeah, Um, saints. They give us, of course, you know, an example but we look to them for other reasons, too. So I was hoping we could talk about some of the things that, you know, saints do for us and the way that we try to cultivate a relationship with them. Um, saints, of course, are dead. <laughs> so they're enjoying... Yes, they have died. ...in heaven their eternal reward. So the relationship that we cultivate with saints is a little different from the relationship that we cultivate with our family and friends here mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it'd be really hard to do a radio show with a saint. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it really would. It's It's easy enough to talk to them. Right. (laughs) But it'd be a little bit of a one-sided conversation over the radio, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, The the tradition of, you know, praying to saints and giving them honor is something very ancient in the church, and it goes back Mm -hmm. to the beginning of the Christian church. Especially in the beginning, you know, there were two types of saints that were especially looked at, um, which were the martyrs. Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon after them, saints called confessors. So martyrs are easy to talk about, right? Um, Like what's the, what are the, some of the characteristics of being a martyr? How do you become a martyr? Yeah. So martyrs, um, the most ancient category of saints that we have are those people who um, lived their Christian lives and in times of persecution, um, kept steadfast in the faith to the point of death. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that perfect hope, that perfect vision of heaven, um, where they recognized um, that my life in Christ 
is more important even than my life on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that my faith is more important than anything else in my life, including my life. Right. Um, so when faced with um, the choice of either sacrifice to the pagan gods in Rome or or um, denounce the faith somehow or die, mm-hmm. the martyrs chose death. They chose fidelity to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, through that, that action, um, that heroic action, they um, enter heaven. Um, they, they continue that um, unity with Christ that they had on earth perfectly now in heaven. Their life really continues and reaches its fulfillment That's in right. that, that example, that, that gift that they give. Right. They talk about the martyr's crown. Yeah. Um, that, that moment where um, they're at their highest point in their life um, is that moment of their death that death for Christ and oftentimes modeling Christ's own death. You know that I love languages, so you won't be surprised that I want to take a moment to talk about what the word martyr means. Yes, Um, please. So martyr comes from a Greek word, which means witness, Mm -hmm. basically. So the martyrs, through the giving of their lives, give a very strong witness or testimony to the faith that they had in Jesus Christ arguably the most powerful witness that anyone can give Mm -hmm. their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And in that way, really martyrs and that other category of saints that I mentioned confessors, Mm -hmm. like they really have a similar name. Right. (laughs) So in the early church, especially confessors were those people who gave a public witness to their faith and they ran the risk of death, but they didn't end up dying because of it. Right. The church doesn't encourage people to go out and seek right. martyrdom. Martyrdom is something that comes to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those people who, whenever in situations where martyrdom was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, yet they still lived those wonderful lives witnessing Christ, um, living out holiness, living a life of grace, right? They should be, I mean, the church honors them as... Uh, as saints too. Mm-hmm. So those confessors are people, um, you know, we might think about confessors as people who confess their sins or something like that. It's right. not so much what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who publicly gave some sort of, you know, witness to the faith. It could be through what they said and mm-hmm. what they taught, or it could be through the example of their lives. You know, just being faithful to Christian virtue, loving other people as, you know, cr- as God asks us to love them. And doing that without compromise, you know, in the face of many trials. And these two types of saints, martyrs especially, and confessors, from the earliest times of the church, people, Christians, you know, Christians looked to them as an example and started to commemorate them in a special way. Mm-hmm. And they remembered them. And it's a little bit funny to think about the word that these early Christians used for the day that we remembered these saints, especially the martyrs, they called the day that they remembered them their birthday. Right. Dies Natalis. <laughs> you know, in Latin, they're the day of their birth. Right. So the day of their death, this goes back to what you were saying earlier, Jacob, which is that, you know, they saw their life as something, you know, that they would put under their faith in the sense, you know, their faith in Christ was what ruled their life. Right, that was their first priority. That was their first priority, right. Mm -hmm. So, by dying for Christ, you know, they were really born, you know, to this eternal life with him, to their eternal reward. Right, they were born into the fullness of life. 
um, in heaven. Um, so it's kind of a, yeah, a new birthday for them, a birthday into a life that's um, more full, more perfect, um, because it has that perfect union with God in heaven than our earthly lives. Even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're used to being in our churches and seeing our altars in front of the church, and we focus in the Mass on a Eucharistic meal and the Eucharistic sacrifice, you know, both at the same time. So the right. altars many times call to mind a table, Mm-hmm. Because we're sh- we're sharing a meal in a way, but right. we're also calling to mind the sacrifice of Christ, and peculiarly enough, you know, the earliest altars were usually tombs, right, the of these martyrs, of the, the catacombs. So that's one of the reasons why altars aren't just a flat board with legs on it like a table would be, but they're usually you know solid stone constructions mm-hmm. because earliest in the earliest church they would have been a tomb. And nowadays, even, we still have in the altar relics of saints. Right. So there's, in each altar, there's a part of someone in that altar, whether it's, um, you know, a small piece of bone or um, hair or or some part of that saint, that relic is in the altar Mm -hmm. um, to remind us um, what we're doing at Mass. It's that sacrifice Mm -hmm. that Christ made, that the martyrs have made in imitation of him, that all the saints make in imitation of Christ. And when we're celebrating Mass, we're having a special moment of um, unity with those saints, right? Right, right. Um, It's called the communion of saints. mm -hmm. Um, We profess belief in that in the Apostles' Creed every time we say the rosary or something like that. Um, The the communion of saints, this this, uh, unity that is experienced in the Church, um, first and foremost— Pope Benedict says in the compendium to the catechism around holy things. So the unity comes through um, the faith, through the sacraments, um, through the life of grace. Um, he says, especially the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this, this union built up amongst the church, um, the church triumphant in heaven, the church suffering in purgatory and the church militant here on earth. Um, all of all three of those aspects of the church are united together around these holy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, there's really something beautiful about having a physical representation of the saints in heaven in the midst of our mass, you know, mm-hmm. in the altar, where we have a really visible reminder that what we're doing is timeless, you know, and we're having communion with those saints who are already enjoying, you know, the heavenly banquet here on earth. We're also kind of particip- we're participating in that same banquet, right. anticipating it. Right. In its fullness. Like the saints in the altar who are bearing Christ to the world, Mm -hmm. that's how we're supposed to imitate those saints, is to bear Christ into the world, um, not on the altar in Mm. the Eucharist, but lived out through our lives, bringing Christ out into the world. So now you turned it around, and not only are we like striving for heaven to be where the saints are, but the saints are helping to bring Christ to us, through, and we see that in the altar, Mm -hmm. and then we're called to strive to do the same thing. That's right. A lot of beautiful imagery there. <laughs> You're listening to the Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm here with Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus to talk about the saints. Now, throughout the year, the church year, we have a number of feasts that focus on the life of our Lord. Mm-hmm. So we can think of especially Christmas. Christmas. And the Easter. Easter season in Lent, 
Um, yeah, but we have other things like the Transfiguration, right? Yeah, um, the feast in August, of our Lord's Transfiguration, His presentation in the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so throughout the year, things that commemorate those big events mm-hmm. in the life of our Lord that are leading us back around to Easter, mm-hmm. um, the yeah. main celebration of our faith. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of other feast days throughout the year that have given shape to our life as as Catholics and as Christians too. And most of those have to do with the lives of the different saints. Right. Um, you know, we can perhaps really easily name St. Patrick or something like that. You yeah. know, the day of St. Patrick is especially important for the Irish and they brought that tradition here. So we still, we still keep that in a way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there are some other saints' days which help to even, you know, one of the more beautiful ones, I think, is the way the birth of St. John the Baptist really plays along with the feast of Christmas and Christ's birthday. Right. So we know from the Gospels that um, Jesus and John the Baptist are six months apart. Right. Um, mm-hmm. After the Annunciation scene to Mary, she goes to visit Elizabeth, who's six months six. pregnant. Right. So Christmas um, being December 25th, mm-hmm. the birth of John the Baptist is at the end of June, June mm-hmm. 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we can calculate nine months before that and we get the Annunciation in March. Um, so the Annunciation of John the Baptist's birth would then be towards the end of September. Um, that feast day isn't celebrated anymore on the calendar, but we mm-hmm. can calculate, okay, that's when it is on the calendar. Um, and that the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus, um, they also, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, right. <laughs> um, they have beautiful imagery with the seasons. So mm-hmm. they're both right around um, the solstices. Um, we hear that line um, from John the Baptist in the Gospel of John, I must decrease more and more right. so that he, Christ, can mm-hmm. increase more and more. Mm-hmm. So at the summer solstice, that's when the sun um, starts. Uh, the, the time that the sun's out is less and less. The days start the getting shorter at the end exactly. of June. Yeah. So with the birth of John the Baptist, we see the sun decreasing, mm-hmm. growing less and less. Right. Um, and then Christmas it's right around the winter solstice, and that's when the days grow longer. The sun is out for more. The light is shining. It's coming into the world. Mm-hmm. Christ is becoming, Christ the light right. is becoming That reading from the prophet Isaiah is something that we actually see in mm-hmm. the world around us. Yeah, the light shining in the darkness. Exactly. It's something that we physically experience every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are things like that in the calendar that are just really neat. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful to see how the church... As much as we put our faith as our first priority, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. a really good point, the church also is trying to find the ways in which the world and God's creation helps to lead us back to him. Right. Um, which is just one of the main points, I think, about why our looking to saints, for an example, the way we praise their lives and you know the way we turn to them in petition is very much in accord with this idea of creation. You know, the good things around us are leading us back to God. So it's Mm -hmm. good to look at the good things around us and not pretend that they are God, that they give us life or anything like that, but to recognize that they can do something to lead us back to God. Right. And to help us understand God better, to know him more, to see how he's sharing his love with us. Yeah. So if we see that in creation, um, we should be able to see that more and more in the pinnacle of creation, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the lives of the best of men, the saints, the ones who, like you said, put that faith first and lived it out 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So, let's see, what are some other saints throughout the year whose days have taken on some special meaning for us? Um, I think if, especially, this is a kind of a curveball, an easy one, you know, the feasts of our Our Lady, you know, have come to mark our year in a specific way. You already mentioned the Feast of the Annunciation in March, how that is one of those big, perhaps the old four feasts that kind of correspond with the seasons. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in the, at the end of summer, we have another festival, which often gets a lot of attention because, you know, summer's a good time to have a nice gathering. (laughs) Right. Um, Our Lady's Assumption, um, is often, you know, traditionally something that would be accompanied with processions, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just other ways of enjoying in community. Right. You know, that day. A a rosary procession and a picnic or something. Mm -hmm. Um, it's summertime, uh, it's nice and warm out. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Another tradition which I've come to appreciate more, you know, especially up in my home diocese of Youngstown, there's sizable Italian community, especially mm-hmm. in the city of Youngstown. So around St. Joseph's Day, there are some beautiful traditions. There's this tradition of making altars to St. Joseph. Okay. And we're not talking something in the church, <laughs> usually. Right. We're talking basically a very elaborate table with mm-hmm. a bunch of very delicious things on it. <laughs> Um, one of the highlights is usually, um, cream puffs, especially. <laughs> oh, nice. How can you not like the saints when you get cream puffs mm-hmm. with them, right? <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> For sure. Sure. Um, I mean, there are other saints days, um, the feast of the archangels at the end of September, mm-hmm. um, St. Michael, um, and St. Gabriel and St. Raphael, um, that kind of used to, Bishop Campbell was telling us the story that that was the beginning of the, of the semester for him was, um, Michaelmas. Um, <laughs> that's when you would go back to school um, when you'd start things up again. Huh. Um, and that also is kind of the end of what used to be kind of a minor Lent in August and September. Um, there used to be a season of fasting then to kind of complement um, Lent and Advent. So you get something between those two to remind us mm-hmm. of our need for penance, especially um, during those warm summer months. Um, <laughs> With all those festivals, we need a little penance. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so to to build that up, and that would always end on the Feast of St. Michael, mm-hmm. um, which was then a big day of celebration um, for the end of this of this season of penance, of fasting, um, but also to, um, to appreciate the role that the angels have in our lives as well. Mm-hmm. One other example that comes to mind is the Feast of St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that in many places, um, you know, St. Nicholas makes a visit, you might say. <laughs> That's right. Leave your shoes out mm-hmm. at night and hopefully there's some good chocolate or, or little coins or something mm-hmm. in your shoe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, most of our parishes bear the name of a saint mm-hmm. or maybe some other dedication, like to one of the big events in our Lord's life. Right, or a title of Our Lady. Mm -hmm. Um, We have lots of those in the Diocese of Columbus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the things that parishes can do is to celebrate that day in a special way. We have, we call a hierarchy of feast days throughout the year where, you know, Easter, the Feast of Our Lord's Life, the Feast of Our Lady, and Sundays especially are the most important days. So whenever they fall, they get the focus of our attention. 
And then there are the saints, the other saints and their days, whenever they fall on a weekday, will get celebrated, but not on a Sunday. And then during the special seasons of Lent and the last days of Advent close to Christmas, even if we have a saint's day during those seasons, they get celebrated with less solemnity than other times of the year because we're really focusing on preparing for Easter or we're focusing on our Lord's birth, his arrival at Christmas. But whenever a parish's feast day comes around, they can celebrate it like it's a Sunday. Right, exactly. It's a solemnity for the parish. Um, it's a time for them to um, rejoice for the intercession of that saint for their parish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons why parishes are named after saints. Right. So they have a, a particular intercessor, someone who's um, looking down on them from heaven in a special way. Um, so they celebrate that mm-hmm. um, in and thanksgiving to to God for raising this person up to heaven, mm-hmm. um, for all the graces that the saint is kind of directing their way, um, and in thanksgiving for the life of the saint um, that they've given that life for Christ um, to be such a great witness that it hopefully is inspiring the people of that parish. Right, today. right, yeah. That example should be very alive. Mm-hmm. The example of that saint's life in that parish, right. and um, a way for the people to really understand one way to get to know God and to serve God faithfully in this world. Right. Yeah. They're all the, the lives of the saints, mm-hmm. um, huge collections of them um, from over the ages. But, you know, the people of a particular parish know the life of that saint in particular because that's the one that they've uh, entrusted themselves to, um, one that maybe they're modeling their lives off of in a very particular way. Um, Earlier we talked about... Um, birthdays and how the the day that a saint died was called a birthday right in the early church and that's still it's something that we mm-hmm. we do today perhaps very people often, don't know about it as much but. very often we celebrate a saint's feast day not on the day of their birth right yeah um, but on the day they died on earth but on the yeah exactly the day they died the day they were born into heaven and that makes me think of another very common practice in other parts of the world until recently instead of celebrating my birthday or your birthday mm-hmm. we would have celebrated the saint's day of our patron saint right. so in my example you know my my name is brian christopher so i know saint christopher's day toward the end of july you know, that would have been you know the day that i celebrated maybe with cake and presents and things like that right and um you know i, I lived a few years in chile in south america and calendars in that area of the world any calendar you buy still has the names of the saints of every day on it mm. because in many places, that saint's day is celebrated instead of a birthday in one's own life. Um, do you know what day you would be celebrating your saint's day if you did that in your family? Sure. So my name is Jacob Antonio um, mm-hmm. Anthony. Um, so that would be uh, June, June 13th, okay. St. Anthony of Padua, mm-hmm. um, I guess would be mine if we were to still do that mm-hmm. um, today. Sounds like a good idea, maybe even having two birthdays. And really, I think it's it's a good thing to... <laughs> become more aware of even if we're not going to change our celebration and tell our family you know what next year don't bring me a cake on my birthday bring me a cake on this day we're going to celebrate my saint it i think it could be a good thing to just become more familiar with and make that day a little bit more intentional you know yeah make it a special day for you mm -hmm. um know when it is look forward to it prepare for it yeah and maybe make that a special time where you really reflect on the life of a patron saint and especially turn to that saints in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leaves us with 
um, a pretty complete understanding of you know why we turn to saints, why saints help us to see God. It's not just that we turn to them and stop there. We right. turn to the saints because they lead us to something greater. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're lenses through which um, the presence of God in the world is magnified. Mm-hmm. This is a life that was lived for God. This is what it looks like for us. So we, we see, we experience not only their intercession, but also we can look to their example. Um, so many saints give great um, witnesses by their lives, what they can do. Um, Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. for example, we maybe not all of us are called to go into the, the slums of Calcutta right. um, and minister there for the rest of our lives, but we can become more aware of poverty as she said, in all its forms. Yeah. I, th- I think one final point today you lead us to is that we don't turn to the saints so that we can mimic them exactly in everything that they do. Mm-hmm. We turn to them to learn something from them for our own lives. So that in the case of Mother Teresa, for example, when we do encounter you know, the poor and when we do encounter those who are suffering, we might lean on her in those moments but we also, once we kind of get the big picture and see all the saints, their gifts, and the way they were faithful to Christ in their lives, we can also, you know, have strength to know that in our own life, we are going to have a specific way that God is calling us to be faithful to him and to live out holiness in the world. I think both of those things are very, really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. So turn to the saints often, um, study their lives Celebrate even, um, if you can't go to Mass, um, but celebrate the lives of the saints throughout the church calendar. Um, there's usually a saint or two mm-hmm. every day of the year. Right. So you can you can um, find those and just say a small prayer for that saint's intercession that day. Mm-hmm. A great way to um, invite the saints into our lives, um, ask for their intercession, um, and use their example to inform our own Christian lives. So why don't we wrap up by turning to our patron saints and to the Blessed Mother to ask her to to guide us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Christopher and St. Anthony, we ask you to look over the two of us and to help to guide us in our work here, spreading the Word of God. And we turn to you, Blessed Mother, as we do at all times, as we say, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of the seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then-